We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Ben Wade, Simon Campbell, Mickey Collin and Andy Bollins. Takeover not yet announced formally. Maybe it'll get announced, lads, while we're doing the podcast. Who knows? Probably not. Probably not. It's a long shot. But what we're going to talk about today are the main things that we want to see change at Newcastle United. Some big things, some little things, and a couple of other reasons why. It's, um, you know, I did a tweet the other day where, what, we are on our fifth season of doing this podcast. Started in the 14 15 season. Uh, much has happened since then, and there's a lot for us to look back on. But we have spent the best part of four, five seasons just moaning. <laughs> Morning, an awful lot. So we'll have to be able to present some positive changes for, for Newcastle United uh, when it is sold, which it will be in the coming days. Hopefully it'll be tremendous, tremendous if it could happen this week uh, and give all Newcastle fans and everyone listening the best weekend. Well, not the best weekend ever because we're in lockdown and it's horrific for, for many people, but it would make uh, it would make good a bad situation. Mickey, going to come to you first. First of all, are you well? Are you okay, mate? Doing well, I Doing well. Having a good time in lockdown. Um yeah, I was just um, I was, I was contemplating on myself over the last couple of years about like the differences between now and when we started this podcast. In fact, I think six seasons we've been doing it. It was fourteen, fifteen, wasn't it? And this, this is nineteen twenty. You, you keep your maths to yourself, mate. You just just crack on. <laughs> and like that, I think that point was like the real the real beginning of the the dark dark days of supporting Newcastle, like. For some reason, we as a group mates decided that that was a, a great time to start to broadcast ourselves and our opinions about Newcastle United um, to, virtu- to virtually no one. And now we're on the cusp of becoming the the wealthiest club in the world by like an unbelievable margin, like probably more wealthy than the other top ten put together. And just like the comparison between the two is, it's absurd, isn't it? Like it's it's beyond all beyond everything that we ever could have dreamed of and obviously it comes with caveats which we're not going to talk about today but like the, the difference between commenting on like another defeat for John Carver's and Cassie United <laughs> and, and what, what what it could be next year is it's just unbelievable it's great extremes isn't it between as, as you say we could go going from like the tightest billionaire on the planet to probably hopefully the uh just some lad that's just going to hoard like hundred million about every week. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you think you know. Virtually every other person in the whole world 
saving all of the money at because of what's going on. And then you've got the guys that are going to buy Newcastle that spend like a billion pounds this week on like a ticket website and a cruise, like a cruise company, a cruise company of all the times to buy a cruise company when no cruises can happen for like an indefinite period. That's how much money these people have gotten. They can just be like, right, we'll just buy a cruise company. Like, get one of those. Don't Newcastle by the end of the week. And now it's Griezmann and Coutinho coming in the there. Fair enough. Let's talk about positive things, though, lads. Positive things. You can reference some negative ones as well. And the reasons for, uh, you know, what I'm going to ask you now is what do you want to see change at Newcastle United? I mean, apart from not being shit, because obviously that is a given. Um, who who would like to go first on this one? I've got a good serious point to start with. <clears throat> um, something, I, something I really, really hope I get right now, which we've had wrong for a long, long, long time, is, is having a good academy, which can bring out bring out the football talent of the northeast. Uh, you know, if you look if you look back over the last hundred years, but discount the last twenty, the northeast of England has produced <laughs> some of the some of the finest football and talent in, in the world. I like think thinking back throughout the history of football been some absolutely brilliant players that have come from, from particularly from Newcastle but from the northeast of England and that is that has virtually stopped you know the, we don't get any quality real quality players coming through the system at Newcastle United anymore and the reason for that is that the academy has basically been disregarded for 20 plus years um, I, I think it's it's vital that we that we invest <clears throat> excuse me invest in the academy in a massive massive way and turn it back into something that can that can produce for this for this football club. The the most damning indictment of of what's going on at Newcastle United is that our academy is, is significantly worse than Sunderland's. Significantly. And they're they're in League One at the moment. And that that just just cannot be allowed. So something something that I really hope that, that that these new guys get on board with straight away is just sorted out. They should they should tear the building down, build everything brand new, new tra- new training ground, new pitches New separate academy, link it up though, so they still get to to mix with the with the, with the first team. New coaches, you know, new swimming pool and all that. Do do away with the bins, but have like have serious serious equipment and serious provisions for for the young players, and then couple that with a massively increased scouting system, both locally and internationally. So we should be Newcastle United should be scouting, you know, virtually every single kid that's playing football in Newcastle and trying to spot the talent and if someone's got talent get them in so increase the numbers have three or four teams per age group so that you're not missing anyone and any any kid that's that's born in an NE postcode or as, as Mick Martin likes to highlight the, that we're going to be the club of the north any any kid born in the north of England that's good at football has a chance to come to Newcastle United and then let's see some of those break through into the first team when we're, when we're challenging for titles and I think it would be tremendous to see that happen and it's it's something that's really achievable on, on a relatively, you know, speaking in terms of the, the money that's supposedly coming in, a relatively low amount of money can see a massive difference. Yeah, no, well said, I think. I'll, I'll just pull you up on one point. I think Sunderland's academy, they're under 18s, are, are on a, like a 46-game losing streak or something mad like that. I mean, that's probably to do with uh, their current ownership. But, uh, yeah. Most of those players playing the first team, though, because it's not the end good. <laughs> Yeah, well, that is. I mean, you probably have to look at Chelsea at the minute for the for the team that have. I mean, you could argue that it's purely because of their transfer ban that <laughs> they've played all these these young young lads. But um, yeah, it's. I think speaking to a Chelsea fan earlier for a podcast that will be out later this week, 
that's given their fan base far more satisfaction than buying everybody, some of the, the expensive imports working out, some of them not, than seeing young lads in the team. And you know what, what we do have it all right. You've got Paul Dummett, um, Academy graduate when his hamstrings are not broken. You've got um the two long staffs. Hopefully this'll this'll mean Matty stays, obviously. Uh and then you've got big Andy Carroll who who knows if he'll pull on a black and white shirt again. So that there have been times this season that um that you know we've had four players playing from from the academy, but you're right you are right overall and yeah the You know you know what I mean though, don't yeah. you? Compare those with the likes of Waddle, Gather, Chira, Beardley. Like all of those players from from history are you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a different level. It? It's not. It's not just players, mate. The, the northeast of England, you, you know, you got Howard Kendall, Bob Paisley, Bobby Robson, uh, Don Revy, uh, Brian Clough, Bill Nicholson. All the, you know, the greatest managers in in England, pretty much come from either the northeast or Glasgow. Uh, yeah. it's mental, isn't it? And it, there's a, there's a book which I would recommend everyone reads. Honestly, everyone called Up There by Michael Walker to just to give you an idea of how big Newcastle and Sunderland were. In the post-war period, and pre sorry pre and post-war, and in the turn of the nineteenth century, they're the two biggest clubs in the country, pretty much, um, and the amount of talent that flowed through the whole country from from this area, uh, you're you're absolutely right, Mickey. It needs to be it needs to be harnessed again, and I think I think your overall point is just infrastructure, isn't it? Um, you know, I sat in in meetings at Newcastle United as a fan, where it's been put to me by people that work there that were by were, you know. We're not the worst. We're not the worst. That's genuinely what they used to say. Well, used to, they probably still do. We're not the worst. Uh, fuck that. We want to be the best. We want people to be visiting our training ground from all over the world, uh, looking at our facilities, looking at how we conduct ourselves off the pitch uh, in a football sense, not just on it. Uh, don't know whether anyone wants to comment on any of that or, or, or should we move on, lads? Well, I think my point is going to be I'm most looking forward to just there being just a drastic mentality shift at the, at the football club. I mean, I, I think I've almost been guilty of myself after Russell left. It's kind of just a realisation that this is just how things are always going to be. And you see things like Steve Brucey trying to see the positives in it. And with these new owners hopefully coming in, I just hope that, you know, the club and also, you know, fans like myself can just start being a bit more positive about things, you know. Don't want to have to be settling for our oh, finished sports stadium from the state up, you know, that that's great. I want owners who are going to be a bit pissed off about that and start thinking, you know, well, well why weren't we in the top 10? How can we get into the top 10 once we're in the top 10? How do you get into the top, you know, seven or eight, however many qualify for Europe these days? Like looking at the, you know, the picture in Newcastle United like that rather than just continuing to exist. Um, that's the thing I'm most excited about, and, you know. And, Things about the mentality of the club as well, and embrace people like Kevin Keegan back in the club, Alan Shearer, you know, start doing things around the place, pay it up. And, you know, I think you know, that all feeds into this new sort of positive mindset of it and you know, improve things around the stadium. You know, there's plenty of bits of the ground that need a little bit of work doing. There's part of it that smell like mist, you know, like all this sort of stuff, just complete changing <laughs> men- mentality to start being more positive in everything that we do rather than, you know, much like the Bogs and the Gallagher and just existing and smelling a bit like this. Never thought <laughs> uh, never thought the Bogs and the Gallagher would be high in your agenda, mate, but credit to you. Different it's it's not the Bogs that you're talking about, it's the three directors, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just things like that, just changing the mentality, like start giving a bit of care and, you know, being more positive and proactive about things rather than just stagnating. It's, it's all it's all these things, that are like little things, they're little wins as well, like, they're the only new owners when they come in. 
get right straight away. It might take us a few years to start looking at, you know, high quality players and challenging for Champions League places or whatever it might be. But these are little things that, you know, to bring people down, you know, make the experience of going to the match better. Easy, one of the easiest wins they'll have in the world. You spot on, on Bolinda. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even let, let it say it's a little thing. I think it's just going to, I feel like the, the club's actually going to have a purpose again and as fans, like, 100% agree. Um, it's nice to just have a bit of bit of hope. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've had 10 years of just knowing that everything was going to do on the bare minimum. Everything was just going to be due to get by and um, and and sort of <laughs> basically hope hope for the best, but knowing full well that we were never ever going to um, amount to anything. Um, it's it's just the, sort of the, the 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 chance. I mean, these owners might come in, and as you say, I'm, I mean, I'm not expecting them to necessarily splash the cash straight away. And, and to be honest, that it wouldn't bother us if, if they didn't. Do you know what I mean? I'm not one of these that's hoping to be another Man City or a Chelsea or whatever. Um, if, if it's a slow, steady build, fine. But as long as they're doing things um, to, to benefit the club and, and sort of to benefit uh, the fans, then um, it, 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 it'll just be nice to, to have the priority shifted from instead of it being a, about um, Newcastle United being a vehicle to, to further um, someone's business ventures. Like the club will actually be the centre. And as you say as well, in just terms of the mentality and things, I mean, this, this club has been the, the centre of of the city and, and you could even say if the area I mean you talk about just go back to what Mickey was talking about about um, the, the sort of the catchment areas and things like that um, you can't still actually be like a proud club someone wouldn't be proud of again I think for a long time people have there's, there's been a lot of uh, negativity around the club I mean obviously we've had fans falling out and um, it's just uh, people have begrudgingly continued going um, those that haven't been going have haven't regretted it at, at any point from uh, by the time things and it's, it'll just be nice that actually for once so pe- people will actually be glad to go back and again we, as I say we can start to, to hopefully see that the club used for good rather than um, it's, it's something that everyone's kind of a little bit ashamed about <laughs> you, you touched on just there before as well like, you know, you'd be in meetings where they've just been happy to not be the worst that is a perfect example we shouldn't be aiming to not be the worst we should be aiming to be the best possible version of Newcastle United that we can be uh, I agree yeah, that sounds uh, like something out of a self-help thing it does, doesn't it <laughs> be, be your best self <laughs> <laughs> but it's true and that's why it's in the self-help book mate um, Bob yeah. I think you made a good point about the stadium though and like I love St James's Park it's absolutely tremendous but I swear and this might be selective memory and it might be unfair but I swear if I walk through turnstile 48 in the corner uh Everything is the same on the concourse in terms of the booths, the toilets, the space, the stairs, the access, the same the smell, the, smell, the same, um, you know, those weird, in, right at the bottom of the corner, you've got those like weird flaps you've got to walk through. Um, I swear they haven't been cleaned in 20 years. Uh, like, it, like it's basically, I could be going in against, I don't know, Sheffield United, like we were supposed to before lockdown, or Trois. In, at the start of the two thousand one two season, or finished four four, like it's, it's, it's the same, and other stadiums have evolved. Uh, you know, obviously people have built new stadiums, but a lot of clubs have improved their grounds. You know, Newcastle, Newcastle's ground is almost identical in every part, apart from the corporate areas, which have had a bit of work S- since the extension in two thousand. It's like it's been twenty years. It needs needs more than a lick of paint on the outside of the Gallagher. Um Which they haven't even done very well. 
I don't know, I don't mind it, mate, but it's... If you go on, I promise you, if you go past, I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, if you go past now and have a, have a close look at it, I don't recommend anyone does this right now, it's just <laughs> lockdown, but if you go and have a close look at it, the, the like, mural type thing is, it's, it's been done on panels and it's behind, a, like, a clear plastic screen to protect it, obviously. If you look at the panels, they're, they're like, splitting apart. There's, there's gaps where you can see, like, the concrete or... It almost looks like, from a distance, looks like cardboard behind it. It's, it's hanging. Like, it's obviously been done on the cheap. Like, it has, you know, like, uh, if that was if that was done by a proper Premier League team that actually cared about its appearance, they would just print it on one thing so that that didn't happen or, or get it done, by, like, properly so that you didn't, um, after how long has it been? Like, six months? So... After six months, it's coming apart. Like, literally coming apart of the scenes, that's exactly what's happening. And that's... Uh, Sums up we've got we've got a big picture issues and then we've got make the toilets smell better and get proper panels on the outside of the gallery for the fine get, mural. Get a better better quality mural. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, sick, I'm sick of our shit one... murals. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one thing you haven't touched on, which is was always quite a big deal to me, at least growing up anyway, and probably not as an adult, but um and that's the club shop. Imagine having a proper club shop again and not what? just like a, people go a branch of Fort Direct, yeah. Well, when I was a kid growing up, I'd like, go to the Newcastle shop. There was a massive, massive deal. So good that there was another one, like Elton Square had a massive club shop as well. Just like, in the Metro Centre. On the ground. And the Metro Centre, like, there's two in the Metro Centre. Two. two. Class. But, like, there was the whole archway of um, Elton Square you go in, which is like, just, like a cafe near or something now. Massive, massive um, Newcastle United shop. And the stuff they sold was good. There was lots of different, like, partners. Like, if you wanted something with Newcastle on it, it didn't look tacky. It didn't look shit. It was like just decent stuff. You you wouldn't buy anything from um from a sports direct club shop. And I'm just I look I look, I look forward to seeing what the um any potential owner doing in terms of turning that around, turning on the merchandise and turning around like making the Newcastle pad something you want on your on your stuff. You know what I mean? Like I've got nothing that's tune orientated in your house now. Not even a calendar. <laughs> that was the last thing to go I think I had a calendar a couple of years ago and now that, that's the last one it's just when I was a kid and again obviously as an adult it's not quite the same but you want to be you want to the Newcastle badge is meant to mean something to you but it's, it's become so cheap and everything that it's get plastered on has become so cheap that it's made it a bit shit so that would be a big one for me is turning around the, the, the whole idea of the club shop the merchandise and getting that right and it's not easy because of how far it's gone, but that, that, that excites me. It's uh, it, it's not a bad point at all, and I think we will know if this takeover has truly been a success if uh, they open the Newcastle United Club Shop Bridges Shopping Centre Sunland. That would be nice. <laughs> um, if, I think this should make it as uh, as part of your terms and conditions of your season ticket that you might have to go and like defend it. Um, I don't know when Sunderland get relegated League Two. I don't know. I don't know what league they're playing. Um, but yeah, it's not about. I think. I think also side that probably speaks to a larger point of like commercial operations and the. It's such a wanky phrase, but like the brand, like I, I, Mike Ashley, he deals with damaged brands. That's what he does. Uh, unlike many of other as other businesses, he found a brand that was in you know bad financial health, but would had still some pretty amazing commercial contracts and was still. Like you know, miles ahead of, of of other teams around the world in terms of supporters and in terms of commercial opportunities, and he's managed to, to basically make us the the Lonsdale or the Slazenger, pick whichever one you want. 
of his other of his business business outlets. But you're right, Sai, that you know if they if they get this right, not only is the club going to have this massive appeal in this country, but around the world, and we already have one of the biggest fan bases and definitely the most loyal, in my opinion. Um, and definitely the most loyal, not just my opinion, because we're shit. <laughs> you have to be a loyal fan to support Newcastle, um, wherever you're from. But uh, yeah, it's it, it, they're going to have to work hard to undo 13 years of of a tarnished reputation um, from everything from the club shops to the you know to the website to how people perceive the club. I mean, let's face it, even from before Ashley, we were the club of 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 crisis and chaos and. And you know, Kieran Dyer being an arsehole and stuff like that. Uh it's all gone by in the the flash of you know, like a flash of light since two thousand and four and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a good point, Si. Um Thank you. Kieran Dyer is unlucky to be the, the scapegoat of the pre Ashley era, like Well you refused to play? That's sort of Bellamy. Oh but but Bellamy was was he first? No, I'm thinking of under Robson. But Bellamy's an arsehole. Like he just is an arsehole, isn't he? Like I don't know. I think this is a different podcast. What What next, lads? What else would you like to see change from this takeover? New manager. <laughs> and I've, I've given I've given Brucey all, all all the support in the world I could this season, but you know it, it's got to come to an end. If this is the takeover and the money that was you know is being talked about being available to Newcastle, I think it's you know sadly for him and. You know, um, I'm sure he'll be very sad about it, but I think he's got to go. I think we've got to start looking higher. Um, but yeah, people like Rafa Benitez and Pochettino and the names that have been linked to, we've got the money to go out and get one of the world's best coaches, and we absolutely have to go and do that. Um, that would be the next thing to change. And it needs to be someone who can manage what's going to be quite, a, I suspect, not a straightforward project. So somebody who can beat you. Advise on things that you know you talked talk about the infrastructure before. Someone who's got some insight on what the you know the best infrastructure in the world looks like. Someone who can help possibly guide them with you know the image of the club and you know, sort of working with support or something like that. So, you know, sort of multifaceted part bits of the job. You know, getting the team right on the pitch as well. I think is going to be crucial because we've seen too many times this season where Bruce has got it wrong. He's continued to get it wrong and hasn't changed it. And I think. You know, we obviously finally changed it just before the the COVID pandemic kicked in. But someone who's just going to get that consistently right, I think that's the next thing. Sorry, Bruce. Anyone want to disagree? Anyone want to speak up for Steve? I think the yeah. only thing he got, the only thing he got wrong there, Bond, was um, you need to. It's not a new manager. He just needs to appoint our manager because <laughs> we don't have one at the minute. <laughs> Very harsh. Well, Very harsh. I think that's, I, I think that's harsh, obviously. Like, he's done, you can't remember, we've, we've talked about it at length already, the type of club you have to and he's done reasonably okay. Better than most people expected, so I think you're being a bit harsh there. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bruce around for a little while yet. I mean, it's it's obviously going to be a difficult time, regardless of what happens for whoever whoever's in charge, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Bruce see out the rest of the season, whatever that might be, and potentially the first summer window or first equivalent summer window, whatever whatever time period it turns out to be, and maybe the the beginning few months of the first proper season post-coronavirus, just to allow the the rest of the stuff to be sorted out. You know, the, the new owners are going to want to bring in a director of football, a chief executive, a couple of other kind of senior board level roles that will have 
an impact on on who they want as the manager. Now, the caveat to that is there's a lot of talk that, that Benitez has done. There's, there's talks that there's there's agreements in place with Pochettino. So maybe I'm completely wrong, but I wouldn't be gobsmacked if Bruce was still manager in October. I think the type the type of people these Saudis appear to be, I don't think Bruce has much chance. I think you're right; he might get to see out the season. However, that ends. But I think after that, I think these guys. You know, the amount of money they're going to throw around, I don't think they're coming to mess about. And, you know, use Manchester City as an example. I mean, they, they persevered with Hughes. I know he'd only recently taken the job when they took over, but they persevered with him and it didn't go particularly well for him. Uh, and I think, you know, Stabley was involved in that. Hopefully she's seen the lessons that we learned there because, you know, we can't, we can't afford to waste time, unfortunately, with someone like Steve Bruce when, you know, someone like Pochettino is available. If that's possible, so you know, maybe that's too ambitious for now. But you know, what I mean, if someone like that, if someone of that ilk's available, I think these guys will just go straight after them. I don't think we'll be, we'll be hanging around to Steve Bruce much longer. I wonder if uh, if new owners are going to have to have a, a really hard, long think about Newcastle United's current recruitment strategy, uh, only employing managers or coaches called Steve, because there are, there aren't simply aren't, <laughs> there aren't the candidates out there to fulfil that vacancy. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ben, go on then. Give us your thoughts, mate, on uh, on on the Steve Bruce situation. Um, Brucey, I, I I agree with Mick. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think to be honest, we have to give him a bit. I think size a bit harsh. I think he deserves a little bit more credit in that um, he was massively unpopular when he came in. Um, but he's without a doubt he's exceeded everyone's expectations of of what we're going to look like. I mean, we've. Um, the football hasn't been great, but ultimately um, we look like a team capable of staying up, which I didn't believe would be the case. I thought we'd be um, in the bottom bottom two, realistically, at the start of the season. Um, and, he's, and, and, and we've had we've, we've had some real um, positives. Max Amann, the way he's come in and, and performed, um, and he, he, as I said, there's, there's not been any, there's not really been any um, Sort of turmoil. I know there were some uh, reports about how he they, they'd fallen out, but Maximan came out straight away and was as was supportive of Bruce and said that that was wasn't true and stuff. And he's he's kept the um, he's kept the group sort of tight and everyone's been been working towards the same aim. And um, as, as I say, he's, he's exceeded what I was expecting from him. So I think you've got to give him credit as well. I mean, he's, he's a he's a Newcastle fan. Don't interrupt you, Ben. Don't interrupt you, but. If the most positive thing you can say about Steve Bruce is the fact that his fallout with Max the Man wasn't true. <laughs> Mate, I might be pushing his straws, but uh, he's done well to keep everyone happy. That's all I'm saying. Happy camp. Now, but it's, my, my my point is is that he's he's exceeded everyone's expectations, and and he's a Newcastle fan like he wants wants the rest of the club, and um, I think he he'll probably be realising now that his dream. His boyhood dream is is coming to an end, um, but I think he he'll be able to walk away with his head held high, uh, knowing that he he didn't he didn't have a disaster. Which, as we've just talked about, um, managers and and <laughs> I mean we had the best best manager in the world uh, for for twelve or thirteen games, and uh, he he didn't do anywhere near as uh, as, as well as Bruce has done. So I think um, he I, I I don't think we need to be sort of too too harsh on him. I think he's, he's not done too badly. What are what are to be, to be fair to him as well? If we weren't in the position we are now, it's probably 
unlikely that the richest sovereign state in the world or whatever they are would be coming and looking at buying Newcastle as in the bottom three right now. So, if anything, he's tied his over to this point. To be fair, though, they, I think they they made contact with the club initially. What in May last year when Rafa was still here? Um, it, so yeah, but you, if we were sort of you know. I know what you mean. If we're bottom, if we were bottom of the yeah. league, um, and yeah, that's a it's a very funny point Sai made there. But uh, the, I look at it two ways. One, the the turmoil in football at the minute about how the season season's going to end. Bringing in a new manager first, if they're bringing a world class manager, yes, please, straight away. But I, I, <laughs> I absolutely understand why they might want to stick with the current manager until the end of the season, uh, if a season in, indeed does get played at all, and uh, when that happens. But also, it's like. And Ben, I know what you're saying, and 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 if anyone out there thinks that you should be the manager moving forwards, you know you look at and then it's all media speculation. But you look at the names that we're linked with, and it might be bollocks, but just like Philip Coutinho and that, and like I can't imagine Felipe um, getting too much from Steve Stephen Stephen training, like like I, I, like, and then that's a harsh point to make because what do I know about their coaching ability? But you know. If if this like you're right though, Bolland, these people haven't bought the club to finish thirteenth, and that be considered uh, a positive because we haven't got relegated, and that's not Steve Bruce's fault. Um, it's it's Mike Ashley's fault and and the people he's employed to to run the club on his behalf. But you know, people are going to be looking for an early kind of statement, whether that's signings, whether that's a new manager, whether that's all sorts, whether that's a new uh, couple of new. Um, Urinal biscuits <laughs> for Bolland and the Gallagher. <laughs> Anything to keep the fans happy, but 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 you you do think that you know names like Allegri and and Pochettino and of course uh, Rafa Benitez um, would just would just set the place alight in a way that we probably haven't seen since since Keegan brought us back up to the Premier League in in ninety ninety three. Um, but yeah, all interesting stuff. Uh, all interesting stuff. My own, my own personal one um, about what I'd like to see change is is communication, and I've spoke about this a little bit already. Um, the 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 prob- one of the many problems with the Mike Ashley era is that it when you don't say anything, you allow people to um, speculate about your motivation, and I don't think, to be fair to us and fans, I don't think it's been too hard to get that right. But at times, and I've said this quite a bit recently, like if you look look back at the things Ashley's done, uh, whenever the club has been in any kind of position to advance itself, um, it's gone backwards, and it, it almost it's happened too many times, and the same things have happened again and again and again for those things to be an accident. And, and you know what? Let's talk about this season. Where were we? Um, you know, as we, as we went into January, we were like ninth, tenth in the league. I know, I know that the league's always been tight, and we've gone from like eighth to thirteenth and that. But we were something like I think we went to Burnley, in one of the worst games I've ever been at, and that's saying something. And we were three or four points from fifth, and yeah. there was a real chance to kick on in January, like a proper chance to buy one of those players who plays up front and isn't Joe Linton, a striker, like a real <laughs> chance to spend some money on a really good player, get in a striker, get in a creative midfielder. And get a get a bit by when yes we're brought in some loans and then the players come in and we're bringing them in at the end of the winter it's just the same shite every season, um, and and you look at back to the summer of two thousand and twelve when everyone loved Alan Pardew and were, were arguably 
the third best team in England that season, and I know we finished fifth, but we could have finished third on the final day of the season. What some bad luck that season in terms of injuries and, and, and refereeing decisions, which which I never stop thinking about. And and you know, at the end of the twelve thirteen season, when we'd you know bought all the lads in in January uh, from France, and there was like a real nucleus of a really good side there. Uh, and you know that took us into thirteen fourteen. We didn't. We got Lloyd Remy on loan. We didn't sign anyone, and then we brought back Joe Kinnear. And it's just like because there's no communication from the club, because they don't speak to fans, because the you know Charlie never sp- did a single interview. We didn't do a single interview in his whole time here. Uh, he did some you know recorded press stuff, but not a genuine proper interview. Um, like y- y- you question their motivation. What like it's almost like what have you got to hide? You're supposed to be convincing me. And thousands of others to spend a significant amount of money and time with your football club, and yes, we've continued to do it. Well, I have, and you know, Sai hasn't, and and doubtless, you know, doubtful that thousands potentially listen to this didn't this season. Um, like, why why don't you just treat us like with a bit of respect and like like people who can you know. Listen to your blueprints for the future, and you can't you can't tell fans everything. You can't speak to them all the time and and give them every bit of information. But like, there's just a it's almost like a lack of a lack of acknowledgement that we even existed at times. You know, when even when the the club um, hemorrhaged fans like this season, you didn't really see adverts everywhere for tickets. It's like they just weren't asked. It's like they, they weren't asked whether we turned up or not. You know, that I spoke to fans who. Um, who support us from North America and the USA and Canada, and and you know they told me stories of these you know other clubs actually acknowledge that they exist and do things for them and and engage with them and engage with fans around the world. What what have our lot done in that time? So just just some acknowledge. It doesn't sound like a lot. Does it? I'd like new owners to acknowledge that fans exist, <laughs> but it but it actually goes a long way. Um, and you know there are pros and cons, and you, you look at Ashley when he first bought the club, and you look at a couple of other clubs like the Markhams. You know, that's that's ridiculous. Um, that's not proper engagement. But all the club have to do is is hire some people, some good people to do this, just like everything else. And I suppose I like to see sweeping changes. That, you know, you want to see for the first time under Ashley, us go to other, not just Premier League clubs, because there's loads of good people in football up and down the leagues. Us go to whatever, whoever, Wolves, West Brom. And just say, right, they're really good at their job. They're experienced. Can you come and work for Newcastle? Here's a pay rise. Here's a vision. Want you to be part of the future, and it's going to be an exciting future. Like that again might not sound like we've never ever done that under Mike Ashley, and there's a reason for that. So I'd love to see that change, and I think that's that's the quickest way we'll have becoming a big club again, not just on the pitch, but having a winning team off the pitch, which sounds like a slogan from a shit brochure for some sort of PR agency. Uh, so that was my one, lads. Uh, anything else anyone wants to add to this? What would you like to see happen in the event of a takeover? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be fantastic to see the, see the, the stadium expanded and however they managed to do that. Um, you can only imagine, you know, we're only going to get better when we get us to be like, even even if this goes as badly as it possibly can, we're still going to be much better than we are now. Because the, the people in the club have almost intentionally made us worse. Um, and, and and fans are going to come back in their droves and there's going to be new fans out there. And you know, that that comes with its own, its own problems in terms of getting tickets and stuff. But, you know, 
people you people used to have to wait on like a forty thousand person waiting list to get a season ticket in Newcastle. Those days could easily be back, and wouldn't it be fantastic if we could just add another twenty thousand seats to that stadium? Now the logistics of that, I've got no clue how it would work. But imagine, imagine the seventy-five thousand seat stadium in Newcastle full. I think about this, Mickey. You'd, you'd have to let people like side back in these fair weather fans. That are just, <laughs> no, just I've, I've, already, good. I've already written my uh, letter to the club to demand that they don't allow side back in. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Nah, I I think, that... Go on, Ben. Sorry, mate. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's like we've not said it yet, but do you know what? Like the whole point of all this is, I'd just like to see we like actually be in to win something, and we might actually have some success. It's kind of like. We've we've been had absolutely no chance of it for for years. I mean, <laughs> I think the closest we got it was a, a well up until this season was a, a quarter final in the League Cup against uh, Hull that we lost on uh, on pens. But um, like we've, we've actually legitimately got a chance now potentially if things go right to actually challenge for stuff and, and potentially win something that would like. I think we'd all uh, agree that ultimately would be everybody's. I think we'd all admit that would be a dream, wouldn't it? Like that's what everyone's uh, ultimately hoping for for all of this. I think we'd happily everything we've talked about here. I think we'd all be happy to pile off if it meant we're we actually lifted some silverware. So, so it's all about on the yeah. pitch success for you, mate. Is it rather than um, rather than long term visions? I think um, I'd be lying to myself if I said I'd like that wasn't priority. Agree, disagree, lads? Yeah. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine if we actually won something? Like, human as well. You know, if it, if it takes us 15 years of spending £100 million of England more than everyone else, it would, it would take the ice off a cake of, of winning something. But if, like, if we won something in the next three or four years, like, can you imagine how mental we'll all be able to go? Imagine how good it would be. I think a big, I, a big trip to Wembley would be spectacular. Yeah. I think um, it would be nice to see see in a couple of years get stop running the team probably get a proper manager to build a team with a bit of identity. You wouldn't want to just like buy yourself straight to a, a cup or a, or a league just by hoying in the best possible players you can get. I'd, if, if it's going to happen, I'd want to see you know proper manager brought in, build a team properly, and just have an identity again. And then if you if you've built an identity and you're starting to support the team again, you've got something to get behind. That's when winning a trophy would just be the the most sensational thing ever. Sure. I think it would, it, it would be, it wouldn't be the same if just next season, whenever that yeah, is. Chat an absolute rubbish style, I'm not having this. What <laughs> <laughs> an absolute I, load of Codswallop. What, are you saying it wouldn't, it wouldn't be better to do it that way? No, what I'm saying is, is that like, are you telling me you wouldn't be absolutely buzzing if Newcastle won something next year? No, I'm saying I prefer it if, it, if, it, if we did it properly. I, I couldn't care less if it was next year in five years and ten. Like I would, I don't think I would get any more satisfaction out of having slowly built up a team year on year. Like I, I don't buy that. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be absolutely buzzing. I mean, you would be as well if we if we won something in the next couple of years, regardless of how we do, whether we're bought or not. I mean, lads, we're only right now. We're only um thirteen points off fourth, and I know, and I know that's like thirteen points, but. Well, it's hardly like you know. It's 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 a it's a three or four extra wins and a couple more draws. Do you know, like it's hardly like. And I know that's fourth, not winning a trophy, but it's hardly like. I don't think it'll take 
years and years to build a team. Uh, ben, I understand what you're saying. Like it's uh, so that the fact that you're talking about would you prefer to win slowly or quickly tells you everything you need to know about this takeover and, and the potential. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? The potential and the possibilities. Like we've gone from like, well, you know, Steve hasn't done too bad. Thirteenth, what? <laughs> you know, I thought I thought I thought would do. Well. He didn't fall out with uh, one of the players and uh, <laughs> did really well with that. You know, how's the bacon and all that there with the days? Um, yeah. <laughs> but to make to make a serious point, I, w- I want to go back to make his point because I thought it was a good one um, about the stadium. It's a really hard one because if if you can't expand the stadium, right, it's it's hard to, to, to think of yourself as one of the biggest clubs in the world, which obviously we aren't right now. With yeah, with a yeah. with a capacity of just fifty two thousand, it's 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 not enough. If you, if you look at the Liverpool have recently gone to, what fifty five, but they're they're extending again to take them over sixty. Um, you look at Arsenal, Man United, they're all miles above that. Think of all the big clubs in Europe. You know, up towards kind of the eighty thousand mark. Is is St James's Park capable of that? I mean, personally. And I've had a you know a couple of conversations. People people think that wouldn't. I, I think a successful Newcastle United fills an eighty thousand seat stadium. I think that many yeah, fans that many fans have walked away since two thousand and nine. You, you're going to pick up uh, a new a new type of fan like you, you, you just discussed earlier. Every club, every successful club has them. You're going to see a huge influx of of support, even existing support from abroad, who are understandably more willing to make the the, the journey at huge cost to see a decent football team more regularly. Um, it's just it's just going to explode and you know, ignore free tickets for a second. But you know there was forty nine thousand there against Man United or fifty thousand there against Man United this season before free tickets were an issue. That's fifty thousand people who were there this season t- to watch us under Mike Ashley after thirteen years. Can you imagine how many people who've walked away or, or how many kids would previously lost to other clubs because we've been so bad or how many people are disengaged? You need eighty thousand, in my opinion. You need you need up to eighty thousand, and you know that might be the the upper echelons. But all the things we're talking about, and all the the, the good work that can be done, and all the football fans out there who we could attract, all the new. Like I worry that St James's Park, if it can't be extended, what an extra an extra four or five thousand seats in the Gallagher gets us to fifty six. But apart from the East Stand, which it doesn't look to me like it can be extended you're struggling past that to, to even get to 60,000. So if we're going to be as big as a lot of people hope we are and some people think we are, you know, the the prospect of a stadium move <laughs> comes into it and that would be that would be controversial. So we can have an argument about that if and when it happens <laughs> in a few years' time. But I, I, I don't think at the minute um, 50, 52,000 is anywhere in, near enough. I don't even think 52,000 is enough to satisfy demand if we were just like wolves or something, if we were just like... Yeah. Quite, like Quite good, and back in Europe. That's, I mean, I know, I know a lot. Like, there's a lot of my mates that um, haven't had tickets, and they've not talked about ever like doing it, and now talking about uh, next season and things like that. So, just to yeah, like, I mean, the fact Ashley's gone and there's, there's this potential now. I think you're right. You're spot on. It's, it's. I think um, they'll easily sell fifty two, and I think there's going to be a case where you're going to have like waiting lists and stuff like that. So, hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it's. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, I I warned my brother this week, and I I said to him, like, if you don't get your name on the on the list to get a season ticket, like the moment it opens, you might never get one again for the rest of your life. Like, it it seriously could be like that. Like, you could there could be a waiting list of fifty thousand within within three days. 
you know, if, if they if they if first press conference to say like Coutinho's coming first, then it's Kubalali, and we're going to spend 150 million pounds a window until we win the Champions League. Like tickets will be like gold dust, won't they? Seriously though, like everyone in Newcastle is going to want to go, and everyone from near Newcastle is going to want to go, and loads of people from all around the world are going to want to go. Like the tickets will be impossible to get. And just just to pick you up, Dodd, and one thing you said while you while you're making your point there about these the, the kids and stuff that we've lost as fans. I can't wait to see only black and white tops as you go around town, as you go around the city. And instead now you get, you've got Man City tops, you've got Liverpool tops, you've got Man United tops, Arsenal tops, all of that. Like none of that, that was never the crack when we were kids. Like everyone had two in tops, that was it. Like if I'd asked my dad for another another team's top when I was a youngin, he would have just been like, no, mate, you fuck off. I'll get you two in top if you want. <laughs> but you're not having anything else. And like, that should be the pattern again. Like for, but now it'll be the kids doing one of the team's tops because we've got all the good players. Like, and we're, we're the good team. I cannot wait. Sai, interesting to get your thoughts on this uh, because today, in fact, on the lovely world that is Newcastle United Twitter, there's been arguments, ructions, whatever you want to call it, about, and, and to be fair, the, the Trust as well, we've had quite a few emails about this, about the idea that if you've had a season ticket previously and you've given up, that... You, I mean, bear in mind, there's only going to be five or 6,000 season tickets probably up for grabs, additional ones to what was sold this season, maybe a bit more, but they always leave some for public sale. You'd also imagine that um, businesses, you know, business uh, acquisitions of tickets would go through the roof. Um, so where do you stand on this, this argument? Someone who walked away yourself, where do you stand on the argument about there being a hierarchy for, for how tickets are, are, are sold moving forward in terms of season tickets? Yeah, I mean, there's about a hundred different lines you can draw, isn't there? I mean, I think I think free tickets don't really have any higher authority than anyone else who doesn't have a ticket that's paid for currently. I, I don't think I'm entitled to anything. I, I, you know, I'll take it as it comes. I wouldn't I wouldn't be campaigning for my ticket back. Um, however, I'd, <laughs> I probably will make a hypocrite of myself if, if this happens and Newcastle are good and want to go back to the game. Um, it's not hypocritical to, you know, because Ashley's left. I wouldn't call you a hypocrite cause, for that. Well, no, I, I, it's more, um, yeah, I, I would I would argue, even though this isn't what I think should happen, that, you know, I, I, I certainly did my time with Ashley. It's not like I just left when we got shit. I was there through good and bad for, for 12, 12 years. Um I, I, I don't know. I think there'll be lots of people who walked away and, and they found it really, really hard to do and will will want to come back. And I don't think that they should not have that opportunity. But I think what you lads are both saying is right. And regardless of well, what anyone thinks about morality, there's tens of thousands of Newcastle fans ready to buy a ticket as soon as this happens. So it's going to be really, really difficult to, to satisfy everyone. There's going to be groups of people, some of whom are diehard Newcastle fans who made difficult decisions in the last few years who, who are going to miss out. and. I don't envy anyone involved in, in how that um, decision plays out. And I, I agree with you, Dodgy. I think um, the stadium won't be big enough to satisfy the, the demand. Um, even if you can find ways to add seats here and there. Um, you're right. There's been 52,000 there in the championship. There's been 52,000 there when when Pardew was, was getting hammered 4 and 5 mil off, off of every other team. It's just... It's, it's, it's going to be a minefield how how you grow this club um, assuming that you know that we have these new owners 
And uh, yeah, on the ticketing issue, I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll just apply and see what happens. Thoughts, lads? Agree, disagree? Holland, maybe? Keaton, get what you think your season ticket holder? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it is, I don't think they should get any priority. You know, they made that decision, and I think everyone who made that decision knew there was always a chance that when Ashley goes, they'd want to get it back, but so would, so would you know, probably tens of thousands of other people. So I've got no sympathy for you, Si. Um, <laughs> you put in 12 hard years, but you didn't put in 13. I'm not asking for sympathy. You know, I, I don't think I'm entitled to anything. <laughs> it it is a really hard one because I, I totally I totally understand people who had to like you say I'll use you as an example. I know you haven't you have, you're you're on Alaska me for easy an example, but I'll do it anyway because you're here. <laughs> um, and I know you. <laughs> there are people who have walked away from Newcastle not because they didn't want to go to their match anymore or see their mates anymore, and not because they didn't enjoy the the bogs at St James's or anything like that <laughs> like they, they really wanted to keep going to the match but they walked away because they thought it was the best thing for the football club and not not everyone who walked away did it for the football club some people thought uh, maybe like you say si, well this isn't worth my money you, so that's why it's so hard because I've, I have absolute sympathy with anyone who's made that horrible decision and maybe even withdrawn a little bit from a, a social circle where you met up with your mates on a Saturday afternoon and part of me thinks well if the club have got their details in the database and that person has put all you know like tens of thousands of pounds in Newcastle United over the past 20 years surely that has to count for something but then on the other yeah, hand yeah. what's different to the lad who um is a bit younger than us and went to loads of games uh with his dad and then his dad stopped going but he couldn't afford a season ticket himself um, because you know my season tickets like four hundred quid because I've got on this ten year deal, but for him for the same seat in the in the corner it was seven hundred and fifty eight and it's just not possible. But then it's not possible because Newcastle are so bad he didn't want to get you know so like it's so hard to draw the line because why does that lad who who's never had a season ticket because he's only just turned you know eighteen or whatever and hasn't been earning enough before that why should he be back of the queue whereas someone else who 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 actively chose not to go, be ahead of him. So like, I, I, thank God it's not up to me about that about that decision. And I think, Sai, you, you're right to say, where's the line? Um, particularly since demand is going to be so high. For example, what if they turn around and says, yes, you've got, uh, if you know, we'll give everyone priority who's had a season ticket. What then for someone who's had a season ticket for 36 years and gave it up this year to someone who had a season ticket in the... Um, seventeen eighteen season because Rafa was there and because they thought we were going to be mint and they had that they had the ticket for one season like it's it's almost like every every single um criteria will be laid and they will if if you make if you make a decision that rewards previous uh previous season tickets or previous loyalty you're almost saying to new fans will we're, we're more interested in the people that were here before so I see both sides of it. It's really hard. I don't know if anyone else wants to add to that. I, I don't want to um, sour or make a make a negative point here, but it, it kind of is. Is that with um, the restrictions in the capacity of the stadium, there's only one thing that happens when there's uh, seventy thousand people want fifty two thousand tickets, and that prices go up, and some people lose out in that way. I think um, we've we've had really affordable football in Newcastle for, for years and years now, especially if you're on these on these deals. But that that will change if we become a big 
a big football club with with a, you know with some, with some pulling power again. And uh, um, you know, the, let's 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 not beat about the bush. These people are businessmen. They're not going to come in and, and want to give away cheap football. I don't think. I think they'll you know they'll see demand there and they'll whack the prices up. That that's a great point, Sai. Two reasons. One, uh, the, the Man City fan I spoke to earlier for the podcast later this week said. Um, Man City put their prices up 10 out of 11 seasons since they were bought. And that's a significant increase every single year. Yeah. Uh, whereas Chelsea have kept their season ticket prices the same for 10 years, but charge over 100 quid a ticket for non-season ticket holders. So it's, it's yeah, we, we all dream of affordable football. I, I'll, I'll tell you now, I think my season ticket is is incredibly cheap, and it's that's not fair on on people who who go and watch the same product in the same stadium. Um, pay nearly twice as much, that's mental. But you are right, Si. I mean, there's all the stories, uh, when we speak to people like Mark Corby and McMartin, that there were people who went under our dealers um, in, you know, what, 91, 92, um, who then were priced out in 93, 94, um, when the, when when things took off, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard, and you, you're probably gonna see a massive influx of of black market tickets and tickets exchanged for for huge amounts of money, touts and stuff like that. All those things. It's not just Newcastle that they came come with su- successful sporting products. Uh, but you know we've got we've got time to worry about all that. I thought I'd just chance me on by asking you that. It's a really interesting discussion, probably one for a, a later time, lads. Unless there's anything else uh, that you'd really like to see change at Newcastle United, speak now. We will end end the show here, lads. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. We've got about fifteen podcasts backed up, ready to go out on non takeover issues. So we're going to get them out over the next few weeks, and we will uh, hopefully have lots for you to listen to during these difficult times of lockdown. Uh, when the news does break, we're going to have the biggest podcast we've probably ever done, uh, and we might I don't know open one or two one or two cans or bottles. Everyone concentrates on cans. I prefer bottle myself. Um, uh, when the beautiful news that Newcastle United has been taken over drops. Thanks for listening. Cheers, lads. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.